you who have been regularly attending with us know that we have spent a long time going through the armor of God in Ephesians. So, we just finished the actual armor last week, but the verses that follow, I think, are very fitting to look at during the baptism service. Because they're all about prayer. And I'll explain why I feel like they're so important at a baptism, at a baptism service in a moment. But I believe that it's through God's Word that God works to save people. So I think it's very important that we read this Word together this morning. And if you can, if you're able, if you would stand in honor of the reading of God's Word, we will be reading from Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse 18. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse 18. God's Word says, With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints, and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Let's pray. Father, now may your word speak to us as we continue to rejoice with Andrew, Andrew and Amber the day of their baptism. Lord, I just wonder what new miracles you might want to do through your word as we read it this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. So, we just got done studying the whole armor of God. Ideally, we all were we're suited up in the armor of God now every morning. And so the big question is, now what? Now that you have the armor of God on, now what? You have your helmet of salvation, you have your breastplate of righteousness, you have your belt of truth, your feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, you have the sword of the spirit, you have the shield of faith. Now what? What do we do then? Do we go like Kevin Dodd was telling me someone at his school with, with the Bible and just yell at people? You're all sinners, you're all going to hell. Is that now what we do? I think so. Grab your Bibles, let's go. <laughs> now what? Do we get really involved now with church activity? <clears throat> Potlucks like crazy with our armor on, trying to kill these plates? Do we need to go off the seminary, into the ministry? I mean, if we're going to take this seriously, we've got all this armor on. Why? What do we do? Well, the answer may be surprising to you. Right after Paul outlines the armor, he tells us what to do next. What does he say in verse 18? Pray. Pray. Pray, 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 and then pray some more. Listen to how emphatic he is. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. All. Pray all the time. Pray for everybody. It seems this is the basic task that we have as armed soldiers in God's army. Pray. This is our battle activity. 
Now, Paul helps us out here. He tells us in this passage when to pray, how to pray, and who to pray for, or for whom to pray. That might be more grammatically correct. When to pray, how to pray, and who to pray for. So, I think we will be helped by this passage this morning. When to pray. When does he say to pray in this passage? With all prayer petition, pray at the dinner table. And the Spirit will listen to you. Well, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times. Pray at all times. Pray when it's early. Pray when it's late. Pray in the beginning, the middle, and the end. Pray at breakfast, pray at lunch, pray at dinner. Pray at the junk food that you sneak when no one's looking. Pray when you're waking up. Pray when you're going to bed. Pray in the shower. Pray when you're brushing your teeth. Pray when you're with your family, when you're with your co-workers, when you're with your friends, when you're alone. Pray in your car. Pray in your cubicle. Pray when you feel like it. Pray when you don't feel like it. Pray when it feels natural and, and necessary. Pray when it feels unnatural and unnecessary. Pray at all times. Now that seems pretty intense. Are you praying right now? You're already fluent, isn't you? You're already fluent. Well, me neither. I was talking to you. Obviously, I wasn't praying at all. So what does he mean? What does he mean by pray at all times? Now, I'm not going to go and link through other passages, but I'll give you a little illustration of what I'm pretty sure he means here. Um, my little boy, many of you know him, Elias, heavy E, as the youth likes to call him. <laughs> when my little boy and I, the whole family, goes to a store, he walks now. He wants us to carry him, but he's way too heavy. So he walks. We carry Lily and put her in a buggy. But he walks, which means that we'll walk in parking lots often. Or in the mall where there's a lot of people. Now, if you know my son, Elias... You know that he can be a little bit bombastic, maybe? It's <laughs> a good word. He's highly energetic. Somewhat unpredictable. So I don't want him just strolling along beside me through a busy parking lot. He might get hit by a car. I want him to stay right by my side. So what I've always done with him is I say, hold my hand. And I don't really grab his hand anymore. He knows what to do. I just hold my hand out like this. And he grabs my index finger. And he just holds on to my index finger and we walk together. And now he's gotten really good at it. I'll brag on him a little bit. I always talk about how crazy he is. He actually is a really good boy. But now when we get out of the van, he's like, Hey, good dad, give your hand. And he grabs my finger. And he doesn't let go. Now I think that is something of the idea Paul was trying to get across. Maybe we need to, to grab God's hand and just don't let go. It doesn't mean that you're always looking up talking to him about something. Just don't let go. If you do, you might wander off. You might get in trouble. Pray at all times, I think, means basically don't let go. Now, it does mean often talk to God. But I don't want to guilt you here, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I don't want you to feel guilty. Prayer is a very guilt-ridden subject. Because no one here is satisfied with their prayer life. Nobody here is going to say that they feel like they pray. Some of you may be, but I, 
I doubt anyone will see that. So just hold on, hold on to his hand. He's right there beside you. He just doesn't want you to let go. Because he loves you. When to pray at all times. How to pray. He says, pray. I'm sorry. He says, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. And some of you are shifting uncomfortably in your seats. Because I'm getting all crazy talking about the Holy Spirit. Does it mean talking in tongues? I'm uncomfortable with that. What does it mean to pray in the power of the Holy Spirit? Well, there's a couple of passages I would point you to. In Romans 8.26, Paul explains that you know those times when you, maybe you're just in deep anguish, or you're, someone you love deeply is in deep anguish, or you're really joyful, you're, you're full of emotion, and you've got something in you that you want to communicate to God, but you just don't have words for it? Have you ever been there in that situation? Paul explains in Romans 8.26 that the Holy Spirit helps us pray in our weakness. So all the things that make us weak about prayer, we don't know what to say, we don't feel energized to pray, the Holy Spirit helps in those things. It will give you the words to say. I'm sorry, He will give you the words to say. The Holy Spirit isn't an it, it's a, it's a He, it's God. Romans 8, 15-16 explains that the Holy Spirit also moves us to pray. How many of you have ever just, someone came to your mind, and you weren't sure why. So you just prayed for them. And then you found out later that in that moment, they really needed some prayer support. Has that ever happened to any of you? That happened to me, um, actually the day, November 3rd, the day that I have written my Bible to not forget the day that he saved Amber Smith and Andrew Jameson. Uh, that was a terrible day for me. The beginning of that day was terrible. I don't know why. I was just discouraged. Um, you know, overall, I'm very positive about how things are going at the church, but that day I was just, a couple of things were just not going well. Not even important things now that I look back, but you know, when you're in it, everything feels important. And then so I go to youth, I had to move youth to 5 o'clock rather than the usual 6.30 start time because we were going to have a big house-to-house -house thing. I wanted to be there for that too, so I moved it to five, but like I do, I didn't get the word out very well about it, and I don't know if everybody knew to come at five, so it was just me, Amber, and Andrew. So, you know, I'm kicking myself because I'm like, oh, bad leadership. Didn't get the word out again. Not a good day. But then, that evening, sitting there, God drew these two people into new life in Jesus. So anyway, what does this have to do with prayer? Later on, Julia, I don't know if you knew I was going to point you out this morning, but Julia works at the headquarters across the street. And I don't remember when we were talking, but she shared that their chapel speaker couldn't come that day. He had a conference call for a guy he was supposed to be speaking. And so instead, they just all prayed together. And Julia said, for whatever reason, she said, let's, let's really pray for Pastor Matt. And they prayed for me. And I, and I would have been probably around noon, which actually was about at the climax of my discouragement. I, I just got off a really discouraging phone call at that point. 
Now, you know, when they prayed for me at noon, God didn't strike me with lightning bolts of awesomeness. But I do believe that God was up to something that day, and He was drawing more people than just me and Andrew and Amber into it. He even drew the people at the headquarters in to pray. So sometimes when people come to your mind that, that you don't know why you're thinking about them, it could be that the Holy Spirit is moving you to pray for that person. So pray for them. Pray for them. I've heard a lot of stories of like that. I've heard a lot of my mom. My mom is a very prayerful person. These things happen a lot around my mom. I want us all to be very prayerful people so these things happen a lot. There's another way he tells us how to pray. Pray in the Spirit. And he says, Be on alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. The whole flavor of this passage is urgency. Pray. Pray, pray, pray. Pray for everybody all the time. Because it's urgent. Be alert in prayer. Because the battle is real. This battle we've been talking about is real. People are dying. And God is saving. And spiritually speaking, there's blood everywhere. Families are getting destroyed. Teenagers, these teenagers are living through all kinds of influences in this world that you guys might be shocked about. You guys who grew up in the early 1900s. Lee Jones knows I'm kidding. So here, Paul is saying in this battle, we need to be praying for each other. 
So I want you to do something for me. Now, I don't know everybody in here, so I don't know who all in here is indeed a Christian. Made new through Jesus Christ. Profess publicly, I am with Christ. Repentant of your sin. I don't know who all in here has done that. But I want you to look around. Like, actually, look to the person sitting to just right beside you. If I have everybody look to your right, everybody will look at the backs of the person's head to the right. Just look at the people beside you. And I'm watching you. I'm not going to move on until I see you actually look in the eyes of the person sitting beside you. Lock eyes with me. Do you see that person? Now I want you to look at the people in front and behind you. I'm talking to actually turn around. Look at these people in the eye. Do you see these people? Did you see all these people sitting around you? Now be honest. How many of you, that was the first time you even noticed that there were people sitting around you? <laughs> <laughs> because you came in here thinking about me. <clears throat> Those people you were just looking at, they are your comrades in this battle. Our enemy wants to take them down just like he does you. One of the great works of, of God, one of the great miracles of God in people's lives is freeing us from ourself to be about other people. You know you're growing in your faith when you are less and less about yourself and you're more and more about other people. So that when you come in and you sit down in the sanctuary, you're not just thinking about you. Oh, I didn't like that song. Oh, here goes Matt again. 15 till. He's already been talking 15 minutes. I'm hungry. <laughs> Instead of thinking that way, you'll sit down and you'll realize, oh, they're such and such. Man, they've had a long week. I'm going to whisper a little prayer about them. I wonder if I can just give them a hug, something to encourage them. Pray for all the saints. And then Paul goes on, and he has this very selfish very selfish petition for prayer for himself. He says in verse 19, And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Like, ah, Matt, thought you just said, don't think about yourself, and here's Paul saying, pray for me. Isn't that selfish? Well, but what, what is Paul asking to be prayed for? About for him. That is swollen, big right toe, and feel better. I mean, it's fine to pray for that stuff. But no, he's saying, pray for me that I can proclaim the gospel boldly because there are people dying. They need to hear it. So, at this time of the service, I am going to selfishly ask you, please pray for me. Please pray for me. I really do need your prayers. I'm not comparing myself to Paul, but we're in similar situations as I'm teaching you. He's teaching his church. Please pray for me. My youth can tell you I ask them to pray for me after every Sunday school. Because I'm always nervous coming in here. Like, I just pray for me and I'm like pull it myself, and this is clear. I don't know if they actually do or not. I'm gonna bring you up one by one and ask you if you do later. <laughs> But I do ask that you pray for me. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Because that's getting real selfish real quick. 
And it's not wrong to ask people to pray for you either. Get all tripped up. One thing I really long to see as our church matures is that our prayer requests that come in in Sunday school and, and even in when the deacons meet to pray and at the house to house meetings, that they start to sound more and more like Paul's prayer requests. Man, pray for me. I've got these guys at work that I know need the gospel. I haven't found a way to share it with them yet. I'm nervous about it. Pray for me that I can speak boldly. Man, that is an awesome prayer request. Now, I have no problem with prayer requests for people, people's health problems. It's biblical to pray for those things. But I think the ratio gets a little askew sometimes. I long to hear more prayer requests that show hearts that are out there longing to get the gospel out. What are your prayer requests usually about? Pray all the time. Pray in the Spirit with, with urgency. And pray for all the sins, all your comrades. And pray for me. And I'll tell you, it is an honor to serve by your side in this battle. Days like that Wednesday, November 3rd, I, I saw the darkest part of it and the brightest part of it. You know, I sense in our church... And I have to be careful here because I haven't planned any of what I'm saying right now. I sense in our church kind of a waning of passion for what we're doing a little bit. And I'm not all about attendance. You know, I've never tried to guilt you into attending anything. You know, I don't want you coming out of guilt anyway. Yeah, I want to please God. But you know, like this is the, the spiritual thermometer sometimes. I feel like we're losing some passion over time. And, you know, I struggle with that too. But nights like November 3rd, when you see God reach down and pluck two precious people up and just change them, remind you of what the possibilities are here. Now, I would never promise you that, that we're going to have super duper awesome slick programming at Dillon's Grove. For one, I'm terrible at programming and planning events and all that stuff. But I can promise you this, if we will become a praying people, and if we will get back and hear those basic things Jesus told us to be about, love God with your everything, all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor like yourself. Actually see them. Look at their eyes and love them like you love yourself. Love them so much that you want to give them this God that you love so much through making disciples. If we could just get back to those things, and I don't mean in a programmatic way. I can't program anything that would cause you guys to care about God or care about people or make disciples. If we as individual Christians who make up this church start to become praying, mission-minded, passionate people, I really think God will do unbelievable things to this place. I don't even mean this place. This building could explode overnight, and Dillon's Grove still exists. It's not connected to this building. You realize you are Dillon's Grove. I just really feel like God is up to something here. If you remember, that's the whole reason I started this Ephesians 6 study, because I feel like we need to get ready. I feel like we need to get ready, because once people start to make decisions that they are going to be Christians, follow Jesus... Once we start filling up the baptism and, 
proclaiming it publicly. Once we start meeting with people, teaching them how to grow in their faith, and reading their Bible and praying, and once we start doing these things, our enemy is going to pick up his attacks. So we need to be ready. And we need to pray. And the way I'd like to close out our service this Sunday, with a lot of people here, I would like for us, if you're able, to stand up, merge together, and grab the hand of the people beside you. Or, you know, the, the one hand on the side, the one hand on the side. You know what I mean. Let's go ahead and slide in so we're all interlocked here in each other. Did everybody sanitize your hands? <laughs> now, what I'd like us to do is just pray together. Now, I know I'm going to up here with the mic. I'm going to sort of lead us in prayer. But I don't just mean I'll pray while you try not to fall asleep. I mean, let's pray together. And there's a couple of things I want us to pray for specifically. I want us to ask God to just make us a praying church. Let's just ask God to make us a praying church that makes disciples. You know, we can do the, the fun stuff, we can do the activities and the Sunday school and all that. None of that matters if we're not making disciples. Let's ask God to make us into a passionate, praying, disciple-making church. I also want us to pray for Andrew and Amy. Baby Christians, they need our support and our prayers. I also want to pray over these shoeboxes that are going to go out. Praying that God might introduce some people to Jesus through these. And finally, a new one I'm springing on you right now. I want us to pray for Ron Thomas and our denomination's efforts. Uh, he is going to be heading into a very challenging, potentially dangerous, I think, meeting tonight. Maybe that seems like it's going too far, but there, there's a lot of unrest in India where he is, and uh, he's going representing our denomination to try to reconcile some things in the churches. And there's been threats made to the pastors over there, so I just want to have special prayer for him too. Okay, so I'm going to lead you in praying for these things, and you you pray, you interact with God, you ask God what you need to ask God for. Let's pray. Father, in these quiet moments, we are joined together hand in hand in our first act of just being a prayerful church. Lord, please hear our prayers this morning. Lord, we pray that we would be a praying people. We ask for the Holy Spirit's help to motivate us to prayer, to energize us to prayer, to teach us how to pray, to bring to mind those who need prayer. So that the way we are interlocked with our hands right now, we will be interlocked with our prayers. So that our enemy would not stand a chance against anyone in this fellowship of Christians. Because we stand together. Lord, please guide this church, direct this church in the way it has us to go. Give us a heart that is passionately in love with you. And that loves other people more than ourselves. And we confess that these are miraculous things. We need you for this. We can't, we can't be good enough and work hard enough to make this happen. But you can work this miracle out in our hearts. 
So we ask for it together. Lord, we pray for these shoe boxes that are going out. Not for the boxes, but for the kids that are going to open these up. I pray that the connection would be made in their minds that this joyful thing is a gift. It's just a shadow of the gift that they can have in Jesus Christ. That they would connect these little boxes full of toys and whatnot to the gospel. And that many people would be saved and discipled, baptized. And Lord, we pray for Ron Thomas and just all those pastors who are ministering in a hostile area. Let's pray for protection over them, for wisdom, the words to say, and that you would bring a resolution to the problems over there soon. And bring Ron and Tim Fox home safely to us very soon. Thank you for men like that who are willing to do such sacrificial service. And Father, finally, we all together, we pray for Amber Smith and Andrew Jameson. We pray for your protection over them, that you would not let our enemy get near them. That this, this tiny, invisible new life that you have planted in their hearts, that it would grow vibrant, that they would be changed from the inside out, that they would have a taste for your word and a, a longing to be with you in prayer. That they would grow into mighty men and women of God. And that generations to come would experience the blessing of what you did for them. Lord, we love you. We know you love us. We've seen it demonstrated in countless ways. We thank you for that. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.